Please pray with me. Lord God, I thank you for gathering us here together today, and I pray that you would reveal yourself to us, Lord, in your word, uh, as it is read and as it is preached, Lord. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts and draw us to you, Lord, that we might follow you closer this day and forevermore. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is so good to see you all today. Uh, Last week, we talked about two bananas. What did the two bananas look like? Okay, one was black and nasty on the inside, right? And the other one was what? Yeah, it looked good on the outside, but the inside was just gross, right? It was all nasty. I had squished it. Um, Yeah, the two bananas, right? And those were Jacob and Esau, uh, the children uh, who were supposed to, the promise was supposed to come through Jacob, and neither of them were really like promise kind of children, right? The kind that you would want as a parent thinking like, oh, this is... This is going to pass on my good genes. No, uh, and so uh, we talked about the two bananas and how those, those bananas are like us, right? We're all, in some, to some degree or other, whether we look good on the outside or not, we've all got some mushy banana on the inside, right? All of us have got a little bruise on the inside, some kind of unsavory parts to us that we'd prefer didn't get out. Right? And so then we talked about how when we encounter Christ, uh, he meets us at this point of brokenness. He meets us at this point where we admit that we're bad bananas, right, and that we need redemption. All of us come to Christ as broken, bruised, and mushy on the inside. And then he takes us, and he does something radical with us that we could never do on our own. He transforms us from nasty, mushy bananas into a blessing for the world. He takes flour, salt, sugar, baking soda, eggs, butter, and heat. And he makes those mushy bananas into what? Banana bread. bread, That's right. And I have some right here. All wrapped up because I'm taking it home afterwards. It'll show signs if anyone gets into it during the service. That's right. Um, Yeah, transforms us into banana bread. And what's cool about banana bread? It's good. That's right. It's good to eat. Anyone like eating mushy bananas plain? No, like the really black ones that like have ooze coming out of them. You can't even peel them because they burst partway down. No. There is? Somebody likes that? Who? Babies. Oh, yeah, babies. That's right. Yeah. Okay. You got me on that one. You got, I, can't, I can't even come up for anything in response to that. Yeah. So, but us adults, most of us don't like those nasty bananas, right? But are they perfect for something? Banana bread. That's right. It's amazing. They're, it's like they're designed for that. Just like broken people are designed to come to Christ and to be transformed through him into something great, something that nourishes the world. Okay, moving right along to Paul's letter to the Romans. I love the letter to the Romans because it's one of the most theologically linear writings in the entire scriptures. Right? It is beautiful. It starts at the beginning, right? It starts with us all as bruised bananas, and it moves through this to this transformation where we become banana bread through the power of God. He doesn't use those terms. In case you go looking for banana bread in your concordance, it doesn't appear in the scriptures, but it should, right? Because it works perfectly. But uh, so Paul takes us through this, this process of brokenness to redemption in the blood of Christ. And because of what he has done for us in this act of redemption, we are dependent upon God for everything in our lives. As Paul says in our passage here, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, right? We're not debtors to the banana, Uh, To live according to the flesh, 
For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Right? What happens to a banana if you leave it too long on your counter? Flies. That's right. Yeah, it begins the process of rotting and degradation. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Right? There is this new life that comes to the bananas in this process of making banana bread. Because we've been transformed through the power of the Spirit, we are called to live according to the Spirit. A life that is characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Anyone know what this list is called? The fruit of the Spirit. That's right. This is the fruit of the Spirit. These things pour out of a person whose life has been redeemed through Jesus Christ. They are the natural fruit that is produced by a transformed person. These virtues are just waiting to bubble up in us through the outflowing of the Spirit that is in each one of us through faith in Christ. God is seeking to make us such people as exhibit these fruit. Now something else, in addition to God, is desirous for us to be these kind of people. According to this passage, uh, Paul says that the world wants us to be these people too. These redeemed, spirit-filled people. He says, The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. The creation, the world, is yearning to see what the people of God are like. All the creation wants to see what we are like as living, redeemed people of God. Now, we know that the ultimate fulfillment of this desire will be seen at the second coming of Christ, right? When he returns, when he judges the world, and when we are resurrected into eternal life with him. We know that at that point, uh, when we have no more brokenness, no more blemishes, we are perfect and redeemed completely by him, uh, that on that last day, there will be fulfillment. When all strife is over, that will be completed. We know we look forward to that day. But the remarkable thing about the power of God is that it, it is in us now, and this Spirit, it is through the power of this Spirit that we can be windows into this coming transformation. Through you and I, people can look through us and see this redeemed life that we are looking forward to in the future. People can see us, we are like a, a telescope through which they can look and see the future ahead of them. The creation is waiting for us to be these people, to be these living, breathing pockets of heaven. The world is waiting for that. It is groaning as if in labor pains because it knows what it means to be a squash banana. Right? The world understands what it means to be like that. Right? Anyone read about what happened in Brooklyn, the little child? Yeah, okay, I don't even want to say it in church because there's kids around here. I mean, just the world is horrific. The world knows what pain is and suffering. It knows what it means to be on that fruit shelf too long and to be attracting flies. It knows what life is like. And so it's waiting. It is groaning. It is suffering under the consequences of sin. And it wants to see that there's hope out there. And so Paul says, the world is yearning for the children of God to be revealed. So what does it mean to live a resurrected life here on earth? Well, an easy list is the fruit of the Spirit that I quoted earlier from Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If your life is exhibiting these characteristics as the life of Jesus Christ exhibited as he lived among us, um, then the world will see that. The world will see that resurrection come to life. 
Also, if we think back to the Garden of Eden, our original responsibility was to be in relationship with God. Remember Adam and Eve walking with the Lord in the cool of the evening? And to be in relationship with one another, right? They were in perfect harmony with each other. And to be good stewards of the creation, which is what they were called to do, was to rule over creation with the Lord, to care for it. That means caring for the people and creatures that God has placed on this earth. It means preserving resources and beauty so that people who follow after us can see the glory of the Creator in, their, in His creation. I was up in the Sierras on last Wednesday, and just walking through the woods is so phenomenally beautiful. I mean, do you guys realize what an incredible place we live? I lived in Dallas for three years. <laughs> and you can see the beauty of creation, like creating things, right? I mean, they've got some beautiful malls and stuff like that. But like, go here and you just step off the trail. And oh my God, there was this like little wild kind of white tulip thing just springing up in the middle of nowhere. It had this beautiful white, lead, white um, petals. Thank you. And then inside was purple and golden, and it just, I don't think anybody saw that thing except for me, because it was off the trail behind a rock. That beauty that God just, just throws everywhere around this world reveals to us that we have a creator who rejoices in beauty. And so we reflect his beauty when we create things that are beautiful as well, when we, when we encourage art, when we encourage beautiful architecture, when we worship in a building like this. When we have these amazing stained glass windows and, and paintings and carvings, I mean, it is just, it reflects God's beauty. We don't worship those things, obviously, but they reflect the beauty that's in him. When we enjoy beautiful literature and music, those things, those all reflect God's glory. It also means, uh, because we are called to be stewards of this creation, it means fighting for justice for those who are oppressed and in fear. It means speaking on behalf of those who have no voice so that all God's creation is respected and honored and encouraged. We are called to be a part of seeing thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Where? That's right, on earth as it is in heaven. We pray it at least every Sunday, right? That prayer that God would make his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. You and I, we're a part of that. We're called to be little microcosms of this new creation that are moving around and interacting with the world as it is. We are called to be lights in the darkness, looking glasses into this future, so that people, when they look at you and I, can see the glory that is to come through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These actions and this lifestyle and the spirit that they flow from are small ways in which the kingdom of God breaks into our world, and the creation is yearning for it. Now we come to Christ as bruised bananas, and sometimes I'm satisfied with staying as a squashed banana as long as Jesus loves me. Right? You ever had this feeling? You know, you're like, okay, I'm all right being just as bruised banana. It's kind of like a pajama day, the spiritual pajama day, right? You know, like I'm getting, I'm going to get out of bed, but I'm not going to change all day long. Right, you know, I'm just going to lounge around and do nothing today. Right, there's that spiritual equivalent that we can live into, which says, you know, I'm in my pajamas for Jesus, and I'm fine being that way, and I don't care who sees me that way. Right, there's that, and we respect that. You know, but there's also this resurrection life that Jesus calls us to. He calls us to something more than that. 
He calls us to um, something greater than just being a squished banana. He calls us to be transformed into something good. But the problem is, that process ain't easy. Right? What is it? What happens to a banana in order for it to become banana bread? So it gets peeled, right? It gets the layers pulled off the outside. The, the brokenness on the inside is revealed, right? And then it gets smashed, gets crushed. It gets beaten into the batter. And it gets, what's the last thing you have to do to it? You bake it. You put it, subject it to heat. Fire. It's called torture. It can be called torture. You know, but that is what we are stepping into as Christians. Right? We are stepping in. The glorious thing about Jesus Christ is that we go into his footsteps. And his footsteps, they led to a real pleasant place on a hill, right? No, the cross. Right? He went to the ultimate form of pain and torture for us. And so we as Christians should not be surprised that we get cooked a little bit. Right? That in order to make banana bread, it's a little unpleasant for the banana. But that is the life we are called to. We are called to this life of transformation through the power of Jesus Christ. And the world is longing for us to be that way. So may we be people here at Emmanuel who are living, breathing, active, engaged, powerful revelations of God's glory that is to come. May we be willing to do the hard work to be peeled, to be smashed, and to be cooked so that Jesus Christ can be revealed in this world. And as we do that, the world will rejoice that God is working powerfully in us and among us and is transforming the world around us. Let's pray. Lord God, the world yearns eagerly, Lord, for us to be revealed as your children. Help us to be your children. It's only through your power, Lord God, that you can transform us. Lord, we have no power within ourselves to make ourselves the way that you call us to be. Lord, but we turn ourselves over to you. We ask that you would do the hard work of, of crushing us, Lord, and of transforming us into a glorious thing which can feed the world. Give us humility. Give us grace. Lord, and may we be a revelation of your kingdom which is to come. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.